I'm not gonna raise my voice. Yes! I'm really good at basketball for a puppet. What just happened? I drank your milkshake. What's up with those shorts? It's either super good or super bad. Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, starts now. Welcome back to do, 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 the game you like to watch West Virginia play. Do, 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 do. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. <laughs> what? Oh, cut that out. Hello from the Dyer Prime Studio in Nitro, West Virginia. This is Unreasonable Down, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt. There was a basketball game. This is episode 14, Kansas State. Glad to have basketball back. WVU basketball, that is. This one is not going to be taken. They're not going to take the highlights or the full game broadcast and send this to the Basketball Hall of Fame. Wasn't expecting that. What we all can agree on, and let's just admire it, Kansas State is a bad team this year. (laughs) With love and respect to West Virginia, the team that they played today is really bad at basketball. You know, West Virginia hasn't played in two weeks. Lots of guys couldn't practice. Huggins said after the game, they only had one practice, which was yesterday as of this recording, the day before the game where they had a majority of their players available to practice in two weeks. And so it's not going to be a masterpiece. So it's hard to tell what we watched today besides it was a, it was a slug. (laughs) It was, it was not great. What we all can agree on Kansas state is bad at basketball. How do I know that West Virginia? This is not press Virginia. And yet Kansas State had 28 turnovers. They had 18 turnovers in the first half. I had to go back and look. That's the most turnovers West Virginia has, uh, what would you call it? I guess they forced these turnovers today. Some of them they did. But Kansas State's 28 turnovers, that's the most since Press Virginia turned Baylor over 29 times in Morgantown in 2017. By the way, that go to ba- go to college basketball reference, go to the 2016-17 season and look at the game logs from that year. It's amazing and look at all four years to see how many turnovers <laughs> West Virginia uh achieved in those four years but 2016-17 is really something that's junior javon carter and daxter miles spoiler alert they played the manhattan jaspers and they turned over poor manhattan 39 times in a game (laughs) remember those days like kansas state scored 47 points today West Virginia in 2016 turned Manhattan over 39 times. 
That's crazy. That season they had 13 games where their opponents had 20 or more turnovers. I'm digressing. Kansas State, they're bad. 28 turnovers. That's an insane amount of turnovers. And they had a whole variety. Yes, West Virginia had a lot of steals. West Virginia had some blocks. There's a five-second call, offensive fouls. Kansas State had 16 made shots, 28 turnovers, 16 made shots in 40 minutes of basketball. They had 17 points in the first half. And that came with a flourish in the last six minutes. Or they were, they, I, I never think that a team is going to <laughs> go single digits in the first half. But it always piques my interest when you're 13, 14 minutes in and a team has six points. You're like, okay, so you're telling me there's a chance. And all that being said, all that happened versus a West Virginia team that, as I mentioned, off for two weeks because pandemic. And West Virginia still won by 22. So what we all know is that the Kansas State Wildcats in the 2020-2021 season, they are terrible. And there we... <laughs> I guess we've always known this. I mean, Kansas State lost to an NAIA team at home by 13 points. Like, that's a thing. So they're terrible. Also, Bruce Weber, who irrationally I I don't like, I, I sports dislike Bruce Weber. What was going on with that man's mask? Can anybody explain that to me? So let's try to boil this down. It could be one thing. As with most things in life, it could be multiple things. But either Bruce Weber's mask is too tight. He has the strongest lungs in the world. Or he was hyperventilating which makes me concerned about him as a person, or all three. A combination of those things. But rarely have I seen a person's face mask in this pandemic pop up and down like a beating heart. It was crazy. Anyways, Kansas State is bad. So for WVU, of any team to come out of a two-week stretch where at some points only four players were available to practice. And I mean, I, not just Big 12, Division One. Is there anybody we can play coming out of a two-week break? You, you choose the Kansas State Wildcats. West Virginia did not set the world on fire today. They got out-rebounded by 13, probably because of conditioning and not practicing, offense especially. Look stagnant sometimes. A lot of standing, not knowing what to do. You know, they look like they haven't practiced in two weeks. So it's hard to make judgments on WBU. It's very easy to make a judgment on Kansas State. West Virginia now has three true road wins, which equals the three true road wins they had last season. And good news, West Virginia's got, knock on wood, 13 more games to go before the Big 12 tournament. 
So that's a positive. All other positives. Jalen Bridges look good today. Dunks on back cuts. Got a steal out front and took it and dunked it. Made a three. Fighting for offensive rebounds. Like what I saw from Jalen Bridges. Jordan McKay back in the starting lineup because pandemic. And he had five assists with only one turnover. Taz. Second half Taz. Kansas State cut the lead down to eight. And then Bridges had a dunk. And then Taz made back-to-back threes to put together a quick 8-0 run to squander any chances that Kansas State was going to get back in this game. Kedrian Johnson looked way better. Looks like he's over the flu. I love watching Kedrian Johnson play defense. He's very active. As bad as the offense looked today, West Virginia did have 17 assists on their 22 made baskets. So that's always nice to see. That that leads you to believe that they're passing better. And Gabe had five assists. He had crazy turnovers and still not out of the woods. But he had five assists. McCabe had five assists. And then saving the best for last, Deuce McBride. He was sharp today. I mean, 18 points, five assists, four steals. Deuce McBride is a three-point assassin. He w- he had four threes a day. He was four of seven from three. So raise your hand if you had Deuce being the best three-point shooter on the team this season. This is an audio medium, and I can't see what you're doing. I don't have my hand raised. I would have chose someone else. But Deuce McBride is shooting 45% from three, which puts him fourth in the league. He's killing it. And speaking of percentages, and I don't want to jinx anything, and I don't think I can jinx anything based on my audience, how many people are listening to this, but let's talk about free throw shooting. All right. West Virginia did well from the line today. Derek Culver did not do well from the line. And Derek Culver had an off game and he looked like he hasn't practiced and his touch was off, but back to the free throw shooting. West Virginia has three guys Taz, Shot Robot, Jordan McCabe, who are shooting 90% from the free throw line. West Virginia University, not known for free throw shooting. Three guys shooting 90%. Deuce and Emmett Matthews are shooting over 80%. So once again, I'm, I'm combing through college basketball reference, trying to find out who's shot over 80% for the season for West Virginia since Huggins has been there. And you've got to go back to 2011 and, and Johnny West (laughs) went 10 for 10 that season, but he didn't play a lot. He was, he was deep down the bench. You've got three guys in the rotation in the normal rotation, shooting 90% from the free throw line. And so 
you look at a minimum 50 attempts for the season, and Taz and Shot Robot are on pace for a minimum 50 attempts, no one in the history of West Virginia basketball has averaged 90% from the free throw line in a season, and much less their career. Isn't that crazy? I mean, 90% is, you know, high-level free throw shooting. And then, are you sitting down? If these guys keep it up and shoot 90% for the season, they're going to dethrone the season leader all-time for WVU free throw shooting. And who is that? (laughs) Who's number one in the history book? Your friend and mine, Jonathan Hargett. In the last Catlish season, he shot 88% for the season and holds his spot in West Virginia's history books <laughs> as the best to ever shoot free throws percentage-wise in a season. And Taz and Shot Robot could dethrone Jonathan Hargett. Now, I know what you're th- saying. You're talking about it. That means you're jinxing it. Again, if hundreds of people listen to this, is that enough to make it a jinx? I think not. I think we're okay. But that's that's crazy. For In, in my lifetime, I, you don't think of West Virginia as, as high-percentage free-throw shooters, and we've got five of them right now, which is exciting, and they all play. So West Virginia wins. They get back to 500 in the league. And, you know, bottom line, we got to see West Virginia play a basketball game. Feels weird. uh, But it feels better than not watching them play as a selfish basketball fan. It was nice to have the team back. And it's always great to win on the road, even if the team you're playing is terrible. Random thoughts coming up. Dyer Prime is the lead sponsor of Unreasonable Doubt. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that I'm a fan of embroidery and haven't had really a reason to talk about my love of embroidery. But now I can. Dyer Prime is in the embroidery business. They've had it for a while. They do professional embroidery. Totes embroidered. Polos Embroidered hats, nothing like a good embroidered hat. They can embroider other things too. Take a design and they can embroider it on those things and more. Call or text Dyer Prime to find out more. 304-767-4445 or email them. Are you sitting down? You can email Dyer Prime Sales, S-A-L-E-S, at DyerPrime.com, D-Y-E-R-P-R-I-M-E.com, Dyer Prime. Random thoughts for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. One player had a number of firsts today, and that was Cine Enjai for WVU. The plan before the season was, hey, Cinny, essentially red shirt, 
not going to ask you to do much this season. Hang out. Nobody loses a year of eligibility anyways, but just be on the team, quote-unquote, red shirt, and you'll be able to contribute down the road. Oscar leaves. Isaiah Cottrell gets injured. And, all right, Cinny, play. And so Cinny, this is the earliest we've seen Cinny in a game, and he scored his first two points in his Mountaineer career on a sweet pick-and-roll finish from Jordan McCabe. So that's a great first, and it was great to see him do that. Cinny also got his first technical foul of his college career. And so in the moment, the broadcast didn't catch the reason. And watching basketball, if someone gets a technical foul and you don't see anything, your mind obviously goes to, well, he said one of those magic words. (laughs) Certain words put together, certain words, it's a small list, said to a referee, to another player, whatever, that when those words are spoken, a technical foul comes out. And Kedrian Johnson, he got a technical foul today. Uh, and I'm guessing he was saying one of those magic words to one of the Kansas State players. Anyways, I have not been a fan of ESPN broadcast this season. And of course, West Virginia primarily has been seen on the ESPN family of networks. Now, some of this is pandemic which is understandable, right? I want everybody to be careful. They've been calling games not in the building, and that makes it a little disjointed from a play-by-play broadcasting standpoint. So that's understandable. Some of my problems with ESPN is is the need to use the basketball game to promote everything else on ESPN and in sports instead of talking about you know, things around the game that I'm watching. And I understand that ESPN's trying to make a buck or two. I don't need, you know, what seems like a minute and a half on what's going to happen in a UFC fight later. Don't need that with my basketball, but I understand it. Don't like it, but I understand it. Some of it is just missing and maybe other networks do this too, but ESPN, especially this year, is missing the biggest responsibility of broadcasting a game, which is actually showing what's happening in the game. Multiple times this season, I'm watching WVU basketball, and then they're showing a clip of pictures and somebody talking, or they're showing a replay and you hear squeaking of the feet, and you know the basketball game, the one that I'm watching is actually happening, and instead I'm watching replays or something you know, that's not the game. And I don't understand that, and I hate that. So I've got, I have problems, especially this year, I'm noticing it more and more with ESPN. But having said all that, I have to tip my hat to ESPN because they figured out the reason Cinny got his technical foul. <laughs> and the reason he got a technical technical foul, and they showed the replay a couple of times, is that Cinny 
with intent, stuck his foot out violently in front of a Wildcat player with the with the intention of tripping him. And so, again, I want to thank ESPN for catching that on video. And so, okay, does tripping someone intentionally deserve a technical foul? Sure. I'm not going to argue against that. Can you injure someone by intentionally tripping them? Yes. Tripping can go really bad. Is intentionally tripping someone childish behavior and and reckless behavior? Absolutely. Is watching someone getting tripped funny? I have a hot take here. I think it is funny. (laughs) I think it is funny. I have to admit that. I think it's funny. Have I watched video montages of people getting intentionally and unintentionally tripped and laughed super hard? Yes, I absolutely have. Is watching someone unknowingly getting led backwards, like take steps backwards, only to find out that there's a human on all fours behind them so they can fall backwards over the person <laughs> all fours on the ground is that is that a high form of comedy i say yes if you watch an old cartoon and someone is getting tripped and it involves a banana peel is that funny no doubt you know tom and jerry <laughs> Uh, all of the Warner Brothers cartoon characters that were in the tripping, that's funny. 100% is. Would the movie Home Alone, spoiler alert, be as good of a movie if they took all of the tripping out? You're lying if you said that it would be as good of a movie. I guess what I'm saying is, and I'm... You know, I'm ready for the backlash on this, but in the year 2021, I enjoy a good tripping. Matter of fact, I'm here to tell you that I I have been known to trip people. I am a good tripper. (laughs) I tell my friends, you know, I'm a good tripper. I trip 25%. (laughs) I don't even know what that joke means. Anyways, Cinny. Don't trip people. But I'm also saying, and not this is not just for Cine, uh, I enjoy videos of people getting tripped. <laughs> I got to I gotta shoot straight with you. That is an and I think that's an unpopular opinion. Uh I like a good trip. Final thoughts coming up. Oh, thanks, ESPN. Final thoughts coming up. Unreasonable Doubt is on the social media. On Instagram, at Unreasonable Doubt WV. On Twitter, at I'm Josh Witt. On Facebook, go to that search bar thing and type in Unreasonable Doubt. 
do it. Interact with the show. Final thoughts for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. The next game, I'm knocking on wood, is Monday. Quick turnaround, Monday at home, the late game, another late game, 9 p.m. versus Texas Tech. Texas Tech, here's, here's things we know about Texas Tech. They're really good at defense. They're always good at defense under Chris Beard. In their Ken Palm defensive ratings, they're fourth in the country. Really good at defense. Chris Beard, great coach. Been to the championship game. Has a certain style. Faces change. The style remains the same. This year, they're good at offensive rebounding, which is not a normal thing for Chris Beard teams. But that's scary given West Virginia's new setup. Texas Tech has struggled at home, but they have been good on the road. They have road wins at Texas, at Oklahoma. Texas Tech is not tall. Uh, So if Culver is better, more healthy, they don't have anyone that can guard Culver. So that could be a matchup problem for Texas Tech in West Virginia's favor. But Texas Tech... They are, they have a winning record in the conference. I think they're four and three. They have had a couple of games postponed, not for them, but the teams they were going to play have had pandemic issues. So not a two week layoff, but they haven't played for a while. So, you know, if West Virginia plays like they played today, probably not good enough to beat Texas Tech wherever, home or away. But, you know, West Virginia may get to practice again, so that'll be two practices in a few days. And let's let's see what happens. I just want to see more basketball, selfishly. So that's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Listen on all the platforms, or just pick one. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Pandora... Stitcher, CastBox. Subscribe to the podcast. That helps this podcast. Wherever you see a button where it says follow or subscribe, hit that. And then it'll automatically download to your device. And that helps you if you want to listen to this podcast. But even if you never listen again, if you just hit that subscribe button, that helps me. So please do that. Until next time, I'm Josh Witt. This has been Unreasonable Doubt. WVU for the 2020-2021 season. Big 10-4, good buddy.